All right. Welcome back to the Basketball Champions League Coast to Coast podcast with you from Germany. I'm David Hein. And with me in this wonderful fifth season of the BCL is Igor Jerkovic. Igor, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, ready to talk some basketball again. Yeah, a uh, six games to kind of go through and then we'll go through overtime. And our interview of the week is with Bonzi Colson, who obviously won the game for Six Strasburg over Fefriga. Uh, we'll talk to him and then we'll give a brief look at what we're going to, uh, what's going on uh, next week. And then uh, we'll let you uh, go on with the rest of your day. So we don't have a team of the week, if you will, to talk about. Uh, we we do that basically after all the the teams play their game day. Um, so uh, we had a couple of uh, games being postponed, and uh, so let let's go into let's start off with uh, with Group A. Uh, we had Dynamo Sassari uh, knocking off Barrow Star Tenerife ninety two seventy two. And that was the only game uh, with the Galatasaray Bakken Bears game uh, postponed. That will is scheduled to, scheduled to take place November eleventh next week. Um, so I guess we only have the one game to talk to, which is the which probably would have been the better game anyhow. So uh, knowing that you might have, and you know, I do have a couple of things for overtime. Um, just your general thoughts about this game. Obviously, there was uh, quite a few talking points. You know, Huertas uh, getting ejected, um, uh, Cesari being you know limited player-wise, um, and uh, but just your general thoughts on this one. Yeah, it's a it's a game that actually made me viral again on Twitter because I watched the game and at the end of the game, uh, there was like I, I saw that they were listing the stats and everything, but I saw something happening in the background. And it turned out to be a, a little bit of a team meeting for Chus Vidoreta and Tenerife. He lined them up under their basket uh, in a circle and was really, really like, um, I'm not sure which word to use, but he wasn't the happiest man on earth. Let's just put it like that. And basically, he used that time straight away before they even got to the locker room to talk to them, to tell them, like, Guys, this is unacceptable. We cannot lose second halves by 30 points. We cannot fall apart like this because this is the first time that we've seen this Tenerife team fall apart. They were never blown out like this. It just felt like it went downhill. Like They stopped competing, and I guess that was the talking point for them. Uh, other than that, it was the classical game of two halves. And they dominated the first one. They didn't show up for the second one, and Dinamo will feel extremely happy to be two and zero after playing against Galatasaray and Tenerife in the first two rounds. Yeah, for sure. Plus, uh, also plus twenty nine. Um, if you look at uh, at that, uh, obviously, I, I know I'll I'll bring that up later. So, um, I think that's totally accurate. They, you know, it, it was a, a, a really a tale of two halves, and I think once. Once Huertas kind of lost his cool and, um, uh, you know, just a lot of frustration, uh, you know, that they had a lot of looks. I mean, you look at the, you look at the, the run that, that Cesari had coming out of the break and it was 19 to two run. Uh, but, you know, Tenerife was really, they had a lot of decent looks, just weren't hitting them. And then, you know, a couple of, you know, fouls here and there or, or, you know, turnovers and, and, uh, you know, just kind of, uh, got the best of, of Huertas. Um, so let, let's move on. To, so, so, uh, you mentioned Cesari being two and oh, uh, Tenerife now, um, at, at one and one, Let, let's move on to group B, uh, group B had, uh, DG, uh, JDA Dijon, uh, knockoff, uh, um, ER Nimbrook, uh, 85, 61 Dijon moving to two and oh, and Nimbrook at 0-1. Uh, who needs David Holston, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's that for all the other teams playing against Dijon, not just in the Basketball Champions League, but also in France and the French Cup and the Leaders' Cup and every competition they're going to play because they, obviously, they lost to San Pablo Burgos in the semifinals at the final eight. But uh, looking back at their schedule, 
their first game of the season, I mean, of the season, of, of the reunion, let's call it like that, of the restart, was against Nizhny in the round of 16. They won that. Then they defeated Asvel in the French League, then defeated Turk Telecom, defeated Zaragoza, Leportel, Portes, Keravnos, uh, Gravelin, Shalon Rin, and now Dimburg. So basically, they the only game they lost was against Dijon and the semi, against uh, San Pablo Burgos mm-hmm. in the semifinals of the final eight. So they are now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and one since the season started. Ten and one in all competitions. So, and if your only defeat that span is to a team which won the basketball champions league, I mean, I can live with that. Yeah, without <laughs> a crazy. without a doubt. It's, this is crazy that, that without their best player, they blew out Timbur, which isn't a bad team. It's a good team. They blew them out by 24. They, they held them to 61 points and 26 of those 61 were by waiting for one. So, I mean, it's just a statement win for Dijon. The one, the one thing that kind of concerns me is, is, you know, is um, if this team gets injured at all it's not a deep team and um and so i mean i i think the fact that that there's only six games in the regular season helps dijon because you don't have as much of a grind of playing in the in the two competitions let's leave the cup out because that's not you know there's not a regular um schedule of, of cup games so um you know if if it was a if it was fourteen games and you're going with the limited roster that Dijon is, then you know that might concern me a little bit. So um, that that's one thing. Just looking at the depth that they had. So yeah, but still, if, you, if you look at the stats of this game, they defeated Nimburg by twenty four, and it wasn't like okay, Holston wasn't playing, and it wasn't like everybody was having a good night. I mean, Julien finished with only eleven points. You know, he's capable of scoring twenty five. Uh, Jacques Alain scored two points in 12 minutes. Sharon Johnson scored five points. So they still have a lot of weapons that they're not using. I mean, that's, that, that's no, that, that's that, that's not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just saying if they get an injury or two, then you know this is a team that is not very deep. That that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to look at it like this. Like follow the NBA, then you know that the Milwaukee Bucks were like killing the regular season. And the way they've done it is they had a lot of depth and every player coming off the bench was capable of winning a game for them. But when the playoffs arrived, then you had the Lakers and the Miami Heat reaching the finals because it turns out that it's not as important to have 12 games who can win a game, but to have like seven or eight guys who will win the game when the series when the game is on the line, you know you can put the ball in their hands. And this Dijon team, feel like they have that kind of mentality with them because they have game winners in their side. They have Chase Simon, they have Alex Chassan, they have Axel Julien, obviously, and even Hans van Weinen. They They know how to win, even though they don't have necessarily 15 players to rotate all season long. The guys who are there, I think they will get the job done. I'm not even concerned. I think they're going to even be the French champions the way they're looking right now. Yeah, the way they look now. I mean, uh, you know, Shashan has been he's been one of the, um, you know, he's had, uh, he's taken a, a major step up in, in my eyes. Uh, let's let's yeah, move well, to the other. Just just one final point. Shashan and Julien are like, they're, they're the token BCL guys because mm-hmm. this is what BC, playing BCL has done for them. They were just role players on an average French team. Then they became leaders of Dijon. Then they started winning uh, international games. And basically, right now, they are both on the French national team. I mean, that's, that's what this competition was all about. Give guys like them a chance to prove their international worth. Uh, looking at the other game, we had uh, we had uh, Karavnos losing at home, seventy four to eighty four to Tofas Bursa. Uh, Tofas moving to one and zero in their first game. Karavnos um, down to zero and two. Uh, big 
big uh, third quarter, 29 to 14 for Tofas. Uh, my only talking point is, you know, this, this, the combo of, uh, of Devon Akon, uh, Purcell and DJ White, not just those two, but the, those two, um, in particular, maybe there's a fun, fun little combo. And this is a, this is a Tofas team that I was really happy to, to, to finally get to see. Yeah. But the thing is that neither one of them is like their leading player because they are happy to have so much Christian around the place and call everybody's number. He had 10 points, struggled with his shot, only 5 of 15, including a layup that summarized uh, you know, what would 2020 look like uh, if it was basketball. And he had eight, eight assists. So basically, every single possession was just looking at Kristen and make something happen. Give us a solution. Give us a clue what to do, what to attack. And they struggled mightily in the first half because Kristen couldn't buy a bucket. And then in the third quarter, he had like five straight layups or jump shots from close up. So he was the most influential guy, even though Akun Purcell ended up with 24 and 8. And DJ White was basically, every time he came to play, they just let him down. So basically, his 17 points are worth a whole lot more than the actual score. Moving to Group C, we had Ike. Athens uh, knocking off uh, Hapo Halon, 100-96, and Smoky Minsk uh, getting the victory over Chalet, uh, 85-72 in the Battle of the Debutantes, so the first victory in Belarusian uh, basketball history in uh, the Basketball Champions League. Uh, I imagine the 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 you know probably one of the best games of the week right along with that uh, um, Sasari uh, just because of the 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 colossal meaning of that Sasari Tenerife matchup close game second half uh, Langford wins it uh, basically with the the three with uh, twenty three seconds left. You know, this is the this is the this is the the, the great team that that Ike has, and uh, you know survived a battle with with Halone. Uh, just a lot of weapons. I know you're going to probably talk about Keith Langford, one of your absolute favorite players. So I don't know if you want to do it now or if you want to save it. So I'll let you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say it now because like last season he opened it up with 27 points in 30 minutes of action against Portes, and this season he opened it opened up his account with 30 points in 27 minutes. <laughs> so he's a year older, but turns out he's a one-year better player than last season. And one crucial part about him is that he was 0 for 3 until the last three minutes and then made three straight three-pointers from the exact same spot. But if you take a look at the shot chart, they were all at the left 45. And just pretty <laughs> crazy good like crazy crazy good it was so like everybody knows what's gonna happen and they sent two players the double team and he still knocks down the shot and does the Dame Lillard wave to the Colon crew in the stands I mean that's crazy crazy yeah uh, and and then when you have everybody else you know doing their little parts you know Yannick Murray obviously big game with, uh, with 18 and 10 um, you know that just makes this team that much more difficult to uh, to, to beat. Uh, anything you want to talk about uh, with uh, Smoky Mints getting their first victory? Yeah, first of all, I want to say that Hapoel Holon are exactly what we hoped they would be, and they look like a loaded team. Everybody can shoot, everybody can pass, and 19 assists away from home at Ike is a huge number. So, looking forward to seeing them. And as for Smokey Minsk, I mean, this was just like, I think that Cholet kind of underestimated them because they had um, an early lead, they looked comfortable, and then they just completely forgot how to play. And that's me. Rob Lowry had six three-pointers. Chris Clyburn was flying all over the place, and Maxim Salas is still their best guy. I mean, we warned you about this guy. and He finished with 20-7, and, seven and a lot of their after-time outplays or ATO plays are for Maxim Salas. That tells you how much they believe in him and how much they want you want him to lead you. 
Yeah, I mean, Salah's just been, you know, probably one of Belarusian's best players for for years now. He's still only 24. Um, okay. it's, it's, you know, uh, happy to have him at this level to to get the exposure. You know, he was a pretty highly regarded prospect, you know, played in uh, a lot of Division B at the European Championships uh, in the youth ranks. So uh, it's nice to be able to give him the exposure um, that he's that he's getting now. Yeah. Uh, last game to uh, to look at uh, Group D. We had uh, Falco Sympathy knocking off uh, Lupulin. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Oh, um, 84 84-75, uh, Falco's first win, uh, first game of the season. Lupulin uh, dropping to zero and two. The other game, Sar- um, Casa de Montsergose and uh, Nizhny Novgorod was postponed, and it's scheduled to be take to take place November 11th so next week um Falco you know I can't I can't remember what you said about them either in the preview show uh you compared them to uh maybe one of the surprise teams from from last season uh you know you just look at the balance of five guys in double figures uh yeah, I mean like I said they, they kind of took the Nimburg path just basically keeping the core intact and Adding valuable parts and uh, either rookies or guys who played like Evan Brunsma in the FIBA Europe Cup and made a name for themselves and now are looking for another stage. And th- this was just a good game for Coach Gasperi Kor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had nice little balance going on, and winning these kind of games is just a new step up for Falco because. Now you expect me. Last season, you didn't expect them to win anything, or basically you expected them to struggle at least. But this season, you you look at the game, and there's no reason to consider Falco a favorite against Start Lublin when you just look at the names of the teams and the reputation they have in Europe. But at the same time, I kind of felt like this was Falco's game to win by ten points, and it didn't happen. At <laughs> they won by nine. But still felt like they were the hot favorites, and we're gonna have more and more games like that happening. And in a couple of seasons, hopefully, get a final four candidate in a focus somebody or a playoffs candidate. In them. Final four might be a little too too high, but uh, yeah, um, I think. But, but playoffs, think, but playoffs for sure. I mean, they 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 were battling for the playoffs last season too. You know, if they if they had been able to play a little bit better on the road last season. Um, you know, then, then, then they could have, they could have maybe gotten there. So, yeah, but I'm gonna say this. I mean, did you think that Nimburg were a Final Four capable team like a couple of seasons ago? Probably not. And yet here we are talking about Nimburg and reaching the final eight and playing, competing every single season. That's the small steps that you have to take when you're a team from Hungary or Czech Republic. Yeah, yeah, this for is sure. Long process and. I mean, you keep Perl on the team in Falco for a couple of seasons more. He's gonna. He already is a superstar in Hungary, but give him a couple of more seasons, and if he's playing still in Falco, he's gonna be as effective as Wojtek Kruban and be in the talks for the All Star Five at the end of the season. That's a big thing for a guy who was struggling in Italy early on in his teen years. I mean, that's another major point of this competition. I, Falco playing with their own homegrown talent and winning games. That that's it's not a mean. Feels good to me, and I don't have anything to do with Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> We're just neighbors. <laughs> We're not even a close neighbor. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's always you know, in my opinion, you know, that, you know, like Denmark, you look at the Bakken Bears if if they're able to you know, give some of these teams a fight and stuff like that, you know, uh, Belarus getting a, a victory over a French team, you know, it, it's always great for the, for the state of European basketball in general, if, if, if you know, if countries can kind of uh, make, make steps in a, in a competition like this. Exactly. And I mean, the, you know, in the long run, maybe seeing Zoltan Perl perform like this for his home team makes another little 10 year old Zoltan or Benedict yes. start playing and open up playing for Falco. You know, like that guy from Sassari, Marcos Piso. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You always love stories like that. Yep. Um, all right, let's go to overtime. 
Um, we look at uh, the season and uh, we look at the, the week of games and, and break it down uh, five points. First one is stat of the week. Um, I'll let you go first. Uh, I'm not sure even if we can uh, consider this a stat, but seven is the number of points that Tibor Ostad Tenerife got in the third quarter against Sassari. I didn't check it, but I think it must be the all-time low for Tenerife in the Basketball Champions League quarter quarter. We get blown out 29-7 in one quarter, and then after you put together 47 points in the first half away from home, that's just a, that, that sounds like a breaking point, and it sounds like a deeper problem. That is actually the second time that they've had seven points in a third quarter um, was uh, also against an Italian team, Umana Raya Venezia, in October 2018. So there you go. Um, I have 31 17, um, and that's 31 minutes, 17 seconds. Four players from Sassari played at least that many minutes. Uh, a team just decimated. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe even, even, he maybe even got worse, um, with, um, with Pushisa going down with an injury and, and actually coach, uh, Poseco kind of sounded kind of grave, um, at the press conference afterwards when he was, when he was talking about it. So let's hope that, that that doesn't get any worse. Um, they ended up only, only eight players played and two of those um, only played four minutes. So basically it was, a, it was almost a six man rotation and, and to do that um, against Tenerife. So that's my stat of the week is 31, 17 um, overreaction. All right. Last week I said, Ritos isn't going to make the uh, top 16. Let's uh, do another one of those. And I'm going to say Tenerife, um, you know, you, you, you lose by 20 points in, in a, in a count. In, okay. So Buck and bears, we might have to, you know, just not count, um, you know, as far as, you know, who, who wins, you know, who wins the games against those guys. Uh, but now you're, you're, um, you're, you're trying to track down, you know, 20 points. Um, and a, and that's going to be in your head to, most likely if it's a three-way tie, that's going to be in your head to head with Sasari. Um, so now they're under a lot of pressure to to really blow out Galatasaray in both those games, and they're going to be under extreme pressure to to get back some of those points uh, against Sasari. It was twenty six in the fourth quarter, and they got it quote down to twenty, um, but that's a big number um, to have a minus twenty in your in a three way tie, um, and you know we talked about it. You know we've talked about it all season already. Every point is going to be a lot, and a minus twenty is is, is big. So my overreaction, uh, Tenerife won't make it. Uh, my overreaction is that Upper Holland are going to be the best Israeli team this time around because we've kind of gotten used yeah. to Upper and beating everybody up, but Holland they look really good early on in the season, and Tyrus McGee found a new life over there. I mean, he looked real good. Uh, they got a bunch of guys who can hit big time shots. I mean, Guy Pini still looks like he's 22. <laughs> so they already defeated Jerusalem. And now this probably why it's an overreaction because Jerusalem will adapt and they yeah. are so smart with their coaching staff and all that Katash and everybody. They're going to probably bring in another big guy because they need him in a rotation and they're going to look good. But at this point, Still feels like Holland finally put all the pieces together to make a deep, deep run at the Basketball Champions League. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, did you know? Uh, what do you got? So the best player for Keramos against Topash was a guy named Jesse Hunt. Uh, he's a power forward, knocked down four three-pointers in the first in the first half, finished with 22 points. And you think he was American because he played for Eastern Eastern Washington uh, College and grew up in the States, but he actually was born in Australia mm. because his dad played over there. His father is Daniel Hunt and was a really good uh, basketball player and uh, he played 17 seasons of professional basketball in Australia. So basically, Jesse Hunt could probably 
end up vouching for an Australian citizenship and try to make the team over there. Um, not exactly a pretty shot, though. Yeah, me. <laughs> it works. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Chris Clyburn. Um, you look at uh, Chris Clyburn and. Uh, you look at him, you're like, hmm, does that can't be? Is that uh, maybe a brother? And yeah, that's the younger brother of of Will Clyburn. Obviously, uh, had a huge uh, career already out here in Europe. So uh, the younger brother of Will Clyburn is Chris Clyburn. There, uh, it's at uh, Smoky Minsk. So uh, thirty. So I'm gonna we're gonna move to it's not too late, um, and uh, we're looking for the best thirty five year old or older player. I have a feeling I'm. Uh, I know you'll take. It's actually. I was looking at it then, and, and there's actually more than a dozen pretty good choices. Um, which, which uh, you, you have no idea which I'm, which one I'm gonna pick. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, okay, it's for the best thirty-five old player, and um, I'm gonna. Huh. I, you know, I'll go my nice and easy, and I'll go where it does, just because obviously he's, he's playing great. He's at 37 years old. So, um, but there's a lot of players. So then, uh, if I don't know who you're going to play, uh, you pick. I'll let you uh, just go for it. Uh, you mentioned Sassari struggling with the uh, like everybody playing from the outside. Uh, they were either injured or sidelined, and up steps Captain Jack Nevecki. He puts together four three pointers, 14 points, all of them in the first half. Looks like a, a rookie Giacomo Devecchi, and basically, like I was looking at the game and I was thinking to myself, "Man, is this guy ever gonna retire?" Because the way he's playing, like, he played 36 minutes against Tenerife and they won by 20 points. He was a plus 23 on the court against Tenerife at the age of 35. So, I mean, I love Captain Jack, and I really hope that he's gonna see more minutes this season, but. That just tells you the state of the mind of a guy who rarely plays but is there for the team and then gets the call finally and is ready to hit four three pointers. Yeah, I you you uh, were posting you were posting something in the group uh, in our in our Skype group about uh, about him and and so. I figured you might go with him. Another guy, though, that that uh, I've just been really impressed. I, actually, I didn't even realize he was still playing, uh, playing with uh, Fortitudo last week uh, against Bamberg was uh, Stefano um, 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 Mancinelli, yeah. uh, and, and he had a pretty good game too. And uh, I don't, I don't know if you really, uh, you know, obviously he's had a great career. I don't know if you really want to be counting so much on him, but that's, I guess, another point, right? He's. Uh... He played the last European game of Fortitudo before this one. So he was there in 2009, I think. And 11 years later, he there was you, still there. There you go. I mean, that, that's impressive. So that was It's Not Too Late. Um, and let's go to It's Not Too Soon, looking at uh, youngsters to watch. And um, there's a lot of youngsters. And, and one thing we, I, one thing before we go into this, I, I'm... I'm kind of wondering if the limited number of games and how we've talked so much already about, and I hope and people don't get tired of, of, of me us saying it is that every point is going to count so much more is if some of these coaches are a little bit more hesitant to give their young players a chance to play, obviously the, you know, that many fewer games and also with all the games meaning that much more. So, but there are still a lot of really, really good players. Um, so I'll let you go. Uh, young player to watch. Uh, he only had five points, but I'm really impressed with the way Nikos Rokavopoulos is playing for Ike. Mm. Because it's not about the points, it's about getting 20 minutes in a loaded roster like the one they have with uh, Zizi and Langford and Machulis and Jankovic and all these guys. I mean, you're the least experienced guy. You basically played under 18 last summer, so kind of it's not about the minutes, but finding your role and not being afraid to play. And that's what I saw in this game against Colón because he was aggressive, he attacked, he uh, wanted to go in, get the points, not just to settle for the corner shots. 
and he finished with five game, five points on seven shots, but the team was uh, plus 18 with him on the floor, which is the biggest plus minus. I mean, if you're a plus 18 in a game that finished four points, mm-hmm. it means you must have been doing something right. Yeah, I think uh, in a game last season he had five threes in a game. It was late in the late in the regular season, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and they and they really really like him. They really really like him. His his name is in the draft um, uh, for for this uh, for actually in a couple of weeks. Uh, don't know if he'll get drafted at all, but that's um, the guy I went with. And, and again, there's a lot of a lot more of the uh, players out there um, who who I kind of lost track of. Um, just because I don't follow a lot of, uh, let's call it, uh, Balkan basketball, was uh, Dalibor Ilic um, there at uh, Iokea, 20 years old. And, um, you know, saw him a lot at, at the youth levels. And to see him be, you know, playing a, a big role for, for a team like uh, uh, Iokea in, in the Champions League, I really like that. Um, and, you know, stepped up and, and had a pretty good performance. So uh, some of the other guys, you know, obviously Servetus, at uh, help at uh, help old Jerusalem, uh, he was he's already been drafted. You mentioned I think either last week or the week before Mario Nakic. Um, so just a lot of guys out there. Did you? Is there anybody else that you wanted to? No, I mean I just wanted to say that we had a 16 year old play for yep. Tofash Ejedemir. He was born in August 2004, so he just turned 16 like three months ago. Still not the youngest guy ever to play in the BCL because uh, Mansukas played for Comitas. He was 15-something at that point. Makes you feel real young, doesn't it? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember 2004. Like, I remember it vividly because I was already 18. <laughs> I'm not going to say how old you were in 2004. Um, 2004. No, 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 no. All right, so uh, let's go to our interview of the week. We uh, we talked to Bonzi Colson uh, from Six Strasburg, and uh, obviously had a huge uh, three pointer at the end of the game. His uh, um, uh, signature shot already at a young, uh, early career in this competition. So here's my talk with him. All right, so on the show this week we have Bonzi Colson Jr. from Six Strasburg. Uh, Bonzi, uh, thanks for taking some time. Oh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, we wanted to uh, talk to you. Uh, you guys beat uh, Six Strasbourg, beat uh, Feveriga, uh, uh, 77, 75. Uh, maybe before we talk uh, in, in you know about the game a little bit more detail, maybe just talk about how important it was to, to get a victory uh, to start the season and also with that being a road victory to boot. Yeah, it was a big one for us um, as a group. We had a good uh, week to prepare for um, Riga uh, the previous weekend, getting ready for them to get ready to play them. And it's always important to you know start off a, a, a uh, you know a league strong, and uh, we definitely we did that. And you know Riga, we played to the last minute, and it was a battle to the last minute, and they came out strong and they punched us in the face and began the game challenging us. And um, it was a great challenge, and we came through and won. But it's always good to start off the league one and know, especially with uh, the Champions League being so um, the, the um, league being not the league, but the group being so small compared to uh, what it was before. But um, you know, it was a great win. It's kind of behind us now. We're getting ready to play our next game, but it was definitely a great way to start our uh, Champions League. Um, you, you stole my description. I had, uh, uh, getting punched in the face early on. You guys were down by 14. Um, and then you kind of worked your way back into the game and then, and then you hit the big shot at the buzzer, which we'll get to in a second. Um, maybe just talk about obviously, um, uh, um, DeAndre Lansdowne really coming up big all game for you guys, scoring a lot of points and, 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 and the team, you know, kind of buckling down defensively and, and getting stops and, and, and whatnot, offensive rebounds, a lot of offensive rebounds. Maybe just talk about uh, some of the highs and lows of this game? Yeah, I give all respect to Riga. They um, they battled to the, the, the end of the game, and like I said, they punched us right in the face um, with hitting big shots, with just out-hustling us, um, playing a lot tougher than us. 
And, um, you know, our captain, DeAndre, laying down, he came out firing and kind of led us to, um, you know, led us in a great way for us to have confidence in ourselves, both offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, it's great to see, you know, a hardworking guy like himself who, who works hard every day to get better, who pushes his teammates, uh, who pushes himself to new limits, kind of uh, lead us to victory in our first uh, BCL game. But it was a collective effort. There was a lot of um, different times in the game where we had key steals and key rebounds and, you know, coach drawing up good plays. And, and you know, it was, it was definitely a whole team effort. And, um, you know, like I said, shout out to how Riga played. Um, they definitely gave us kind of a reality check of, of who we are and what we can do better offensively and defensively, you know, throughout the rest of the season. So, um, you know, it was a great kind of game for us to learn about ourselves. But we're a group who, you know, we're hungry, we're motivated, uh, we're young, and, you know, we play with a lot of edge, um, and we play loose and we try to have fun every every game. And, um, you know, we kind of did that through through the, um, through the game uh, last week. I saw in an interview that you said that this was your actually your first buzzer beater of your career. You know, kids grow up growing up ma- uh, imagining that on on, on playgrounds. Um, you know, everything seemed to uh, in the in the end everything worked out perfectly. You guys got the offensive rebound off the missed free throw, and then uh, and then uh, Jefferson finds you and and you hit the three uh, with a hand in your face. Uh, maybe just what did it feel like? You know, I mean, that being actually your first one. Yeah, um, you know, that's we all, you know, a lot of basketball players as a young kid, you kind of end up, whether you're in your backyard, you're in a park, and you kind of by yourself and you shoot, you're saying three, two, one, and you're shooting the ball, and, you know, you're practicing certain shots and, you know, hoping that it goes in. And, um, you know, it wasn't just my shot that helped us win the game. It was a collective effort. You know, DeAndre's points and leadership, um, uh, you know, uh, JB's, um, you know, our aggression on both sides of the floor, the way we rebounded as a team, um, just the way we played aggressive in the second half that led up to that shot that, you know, I've, you know, kind of worked on just a lot of summer work of, you know, kind of polishing my game, um, trying to play a little bit more off the dribble and just having confidence. You know, I have confidence that I'll hit every shot, um, you know, no matter where I'm shooting it from and I looked it in. And, um, you know, I was thankful and blessed, you know, that, that it worked, that it worked out and went in through all the hard work I put in, um, to get better throughout this past summer, uh, training hard, working hard, working on my game every day. So it was, a, it was a great kind of feel for me being my first buzzer beater. I've had a lot of big shots throughout, you know, me playing basketball since I've been, you know, in elementary school, but this was probably, this was my first big shot, you know, buzzer beater as a pro and it felt good. And, you know, I think it's a good momentum for our team, um, you know, having, you know, we've been in the French League and, and kind of having an up and down season, beginning of the season. So I think this gave us momentum that, you know, we can carry on through BCL, uh, having that identity of, of playing through the last minute, uh, the last second, um, playing tough, never giving up. So it's not only my shot, like I said, there was a lot of big plays before that, block shots, steals, rebounds. Uh, you know, Coach John, a good place. So it was, it was a true collective effort. Um, the, Strasbourg have, have kind of underachieved the last two seasons. You know, you guys had the, te- the club has had a lot of uh, uh, talented and, and experienced players, but they haven't been able to get out of the regular season in the last two years. Um, maybe just talk about the expectations for the club this season uh, in this competition. Yeah, I mean, what, what's happened in the past has kind of nothing to do with the team we have now. Um, we have a lot of new guys, new faces. Uh, we have a new coach who's putting in a great, you know, identity within our group. So we're not really focused on what happened back, back, in, you know, a couple years ago. We're kind of focused on us and, you know, us kind of um, flipping the narrative of, of what Sig Strasburg is. And, you know, we're working hard every day trying to improve as a group and just win as many games as possible and, and uh, in the BCL and have a great win as many games as well in the French Cup, you know, finishing top eight and, you know, advancing every round as far as we can in the BCL. And, and you know, that those are, you know, some of our goals. And we think we have a group that we can do that. And, you know, we've been getting better, you know, every day um, from the beginning, just creating a culture that, 
is hardworking and, you know, we, we challenge each other in practice. We push each other in practice to get the best out of each other. So, um, like I said, we're not really focused on what happened, you know, the previous years within this organization. We're kind of moving on and trying to create a new uh, identity with our new head coach. Uh, your father played basketball, played collegiately, uh, brought uh, Rhode Island to the NCAA tournament. Uh, maybe how and when did you, did the game actually find you and and maybe who were some of your role models growing up? Yeah, I've, I've always, you know, been around the game of basketball since I was born in Washington, D.C. My dad coached GW while I was born um, for a couple years. And then um, he we moved to New Bedford, Massachusetts when I was around like six, seven, eight years old. And he coached Boston College then for about eight to nine years. And so I've always been around the game. I've always kind of loved the game and, and you know, have, you know, when my dad was coaching BC when I was a little bit older, I, I would always go to their practices, you know, watching guys like Jared Dudley and, and uh, Tyrese Rice, uh, Sean Williams, Troy Bell, Craig Smith, Reggie Jackson, all those guys I've kind of, you know, looked up to while I was younger, uh, rebounding for them, trying to play them one-on-one, you know, hanging out with them in the locker room, like guys like Rockham Sanders and, you know, guys like that. So I've always been around the game. I've, I've tried to learn as best as I can from those guys, but even more from my father who kind of showed me the ropes of what it is to be, um, you know, a basketball player on and off the court. So I've, I've always just loved the game. And like I said, I, I've been around it since a young age and he's taught me everything I know. Um, you know, we talk, me and my father talk just about every day about, about the game and, He's trying to always help my game on, on offensively and, def- and defensively, keeping me grounded, keeping me motivated um, to always play and, you know, to always play like it's your last game. So that's, you know, how I kind of play every game, um, kind of no matter what, what, what's going on, it's kind of within, within, within my ideology of who I am as a person. So I just go out there and compete. Um, you you mentioned uh, D.C. and then also uh, Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts, Providence, uh, Rhode Island, all kind of right there. Um, we we always like to kind of ask uh, ask our interviewees what the basketball scene was like. You know, obviously people know you know about uh, you know Seattle, L.A., you know Philly, and uh, New York. You know, obviously maybe just talk about the scene. Um, I, I guess probably the Lower Massachusetts, Rhode Island scene. I guess is probably what the best the best one would be to ask about. You know, growing up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, you know the the, the leagues and the games was always competitive. Uh, then when I played in uh, high school at, at St. Andrew's School in Barrington, Rhode Island, under Coach Mike Hart, um, within NEPSAC League, I think it was probably the best league in the country during that time. Um, you know, we had a great team. You know, throughout my years there playing in, you know, championships, losing by, you know, you know, playing in championships and having close and, and fun, exciting games. But I think the talent, especially while I was in high school, I think it was the best. You know, guys like Nerlens Noel, Wayne Selden, uh, George's Niang, uh, Donovan Mitchell. You know, we've had a bunch of guys, Michael Carter-Williams, Caleb Tarzewski. Like, I can go on, just guys that were within the NEPSAC basketball league, you know, during my high school career that have, um, you know, have had a great college career to even lead to a great professional, um, you know, great professional career. So I think during that time, 2010, 2014, when I was in high school, I think it was the best. And, um, you know, it was really talented. It was really competitive, uh, not only in high school, but also, you know, in AAU, where we we would also compete, um, you know, in, in uh, tournaments across Massachusetts, you know, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, you know, around the New York, around around that area where we would just compete and, you know, have fun with the game. But I think, um, you know, up the uh, East Coast, up North, like Northeast, that area, we have a lot of talented guys and guys who have made a name for themselves since high school to make their way through college and, and you know, to, to have great careers for sure. Wanted to ask you about your collegiate career, your freshman and sophomore uh, seasons at at Notre Dame. Uh, you guys went to all the way to the Elite Eight, uh, losing to Kentucky in 2015 and North Carolina in 2016. Uh, maybe just some of your biggest memory about those sort of uh, uh, runs deep into the big dance. 
Um, I have a lot of great memories. But I think it was the best was uh, that team, those two years, my freshman, sophomore year, especially, you know, being a freshman, uh, we were family. You know, we were a close group of guys who had great leaders as with uh, Jaron Grant and Pat Connaughton, um, who were definitely our leaders on the court, our captains. But we just had a team. We was hungry. You know, we, we, would, we was close. We had each other's back. Um, and Coach Mike Brady had a great system that allowed us all to perform at the best of our abilities, um, you know, on both sides of the floor. But we would just go out there and just have fun and just play the game free. And I think that was important within us. And then, um, you know, we think as Kentucky ended up losing to, you know, one of the best Kentucky teams, I think. Uh, guys like Carl Towns, Dean mm-hmm. Devin Booker, uh, Tyler Ulis, a bunch of guys, you know, who, who've had great careers, obviously, in, in the NBA. So, um, you know, it was great. You know, we competed with the best. Um, at Notre Dame, and then the sophomore year we came back. Um, Zach August, Demetrius Jackson, BJ, Steven Story, myself, Matt Farrell, a bunch of guys. Um, you know, we came together and we, we created a, you know, another. You know, we had a lot of momentum from that freshman year, and you know, we kind of carried it over and had another great year under Coach Bray. And we were even more hungrier, you know, getting a little taste of what it was like in Elite Eight um, and winning the ACC championship my freshman year. So we just used what we had, and, you know, like I said, we were brothers. You know, to this day, we all talk and communicate. So, you know, we played for each other more than anything. And I think that was important, you know, from um, uh, those years. Especially, you know, guys, I also want to mention, like, Martin Gamlin as well. So we were a close, close group of guys. In 2016-17, that was your junior season. You averaged 10.1 rebounds to lead the ACC in rebounding, and, and you were the first player under six foot seven to lead the conference in rebounding since 1958. Um, maybe what does that accomplishment mean to you? Um, I know it means a lot, you know, during that time in college, um, you know, my goal was to be the best player in college basketball um, as a team. I mean, within myself and have a great year. And um, I had a really good coach as coach Mike Bray, who, really helped me learn about who I am and gave me confidence. But I had a great coach and mentor as Coach Brian Humphrey, who kind of really molded me into the player I am today, um, who, who kind of sharpened my tools, um, you know, sharpened, you know, my, my game a lot my junior year. And, um, you know, that was just my goal. You know, my goal was definitely to be the best college player. And I, during that time, there was a lot of great players who, who were great. But, you know, I was just focused on – you know, um, myself and, 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 and our team and just playing well every day. Um, you know, it wasn't just myself who had a great year. You know, one of my close friends, Matt Farrell, you know, we were kind of the one to two tandem who, who kind of just um, went out there and had fun. You know, BJ Beecham and Steve, we all played, up, we all played hard and, um, and just went out there and just played. So it was definitely a great year. I uh, want to get away from the court for a minute. In high school, I saw you had acting roles. Uh, you were in Aladdin, Guys and Dolls, and then uh, and then T-Bird Sonny from Greece, even with the leather jacket. Um, how do you look back on your yeah. acting career? Was that something you kind of always wanted to do? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a uh, – I like, you know, I'm like an expressive person. Um, you know, I like, I like the camera a little bit. I like to try new things. Uh, in, in high school, um, you know, my freshman year, Michael Carter Williams mm-hmm. um, was in Aladdin, and he was Aladdin. So all, you know, some of my teammates, we also started to be in the play with the bodyguard. So I think that's kind of how it all started, you know, not just being a, a person who just plays basketball. You know, you got to be diverse. You got to try new things. You got to, you know, do things out of your comfort zone. And I think that's what someone that made my high school special. You know, we all try to do you know, different things to, you know, develop who we are as a person. But Michael Carter Williams started off, you know, my freshman year. And then I went on to, to just do plays, to be in plays every year after that. I did Suzuku, kind of had like a small role in that. And then I did uh, Guys and Dolls, which was a pretty fun uh, experience. I kind of had a bigger role uh, within that, you know, singing a little bit and, you know, had a little bit more solos. Not a crazy singer, but like just, you know, had some times where I was singing, it had more lines. 
And then my senior year, we did Grease. Mm-hmm. And then that was just, just a great play to do with some of my close friends. And, you know, we had fun with it. And I had, you know, way more lines. And I was studying it countless hours, studying. I don't I know. I was scared to mess up. So it was just, it was just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, shows, you know, just I wanted to not just be a basketball player. I wanted to try doing new things, uh, do things out of my comfort zone. And, you know, it turned out to be a, a great, um, you know, activity and, you know, a great thing that I did, a great experience. We like to uh, have our uh, have our fans ask questions to our players as well. And so from Instagram, we had a couple of questions. I kind of I kind of sense this might be a hijacking of our questions. We have a Jay Schick zero zero who wants to know who is the best dancer on the team on this team yeah uh maybe jason or myself <laughs> i have a feeling that's who, that's the one who's asking a question so <laughs> oh yeah probably jason yeah jason definitely he loves doing the tiktok with, with luca and you know and all that stuff so <laughs> all right we have uh from Naw rookie uh, what are your favorite basketball shoes? Uh, my favorite basketball shoes, I wear Under Armour. Um, so I guess, you know, all the Steph Curry and, and, you know, the Under Armour shoes for sure. That's what I wear. All I right. I have to say that. And from Clem underscore EGL, uh, are you happy in Strasbourg? Uh, do you like the city? Yeah, the city's it's nice. Um, it's a beautiful city. They have a nice center. Obviously, you can't do much. During COVID, but you know, in, in the earlier months while I was here, I was walking around. Uh, really nice people. Everybody's calm. Um, you know, it's nice. I, I like it a lot. Food's good. Um, and you know, I, I was excited about the Christmas because they say mm-hmm. during November, yeah. December, the Christmas markets. Uh, the Christmas scene here is, is, is the Christmas market is probably the best in the world. So I was really excited about that. But you know, things happen. But I like it here. Um, it's a great organization. It's a great place to live. I got a nice apartment. Got a nice little balcony, you know, with some with some, a little bit of a little bit of scenery. So it's not bad. Uh, also in the group besides Feveriga is Peristeri, uh, and then Ritos Peristeri beat Ritos by eighteen in their first game. Maybe just talk about how difficult this group will be. You know, it seems like every point of every game will just be crucially important uh, in who gets the top two spots. Yeah, you can't count on any team, you know, within our group or within any other group. You know, a lot of people are hungry. A lot of people don't know, excuse me, if the if the game they play is going to be the last game, you know, with COVID and with all the rules and that are being in place in each league. So every game is important. Um, and, you know, our group is we're really talented. Um, guys are hungry. Guys are motivated on, on each team. So I think it's going to be a great, a great, you know, a group, a great group. And um, we have high expectations within ourselves. And, you know, every game, you know, we're going to go out there and compete. We're going to give it our all and, you know, definitely, um, you know, play to win and, and, and to play with, you know, to have fun with the game as well. Uh, Demetrius Jackson has decided to leave Aritas, uh, which means you won't be able to meet up with him in the BCL group stage. Um, I bet that kind of hurts a little bit not uh, to get the chance to see which uh, Notre Dame fighter, fighting Irish kind of gets the bragging rights, no? Yeah, that's my that's my brother right there. We talk every day just about, and, um, you know, you know what happens. Um, and, uh, you know, we've competed a lot throughout our years, you know, playing and, and even in, in college and, and playing in the G League a little bit. So we've always kind of but you know, I hope everything. I know everything's going to go well with him over there. And um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a game, and you know, it's a business, and you know, we can't wait to just go out there and play as a, as a team. So we're focused, you know, on ourselves at the end of the day. Yeah, that that next game is against Ritos next week. Um, you know, what do you expect from that home game? Obviously, they're going to be. Uh, very, very motivated to to get a big result. As we said, they lost by 18 points to Peristeri. Uh, to close off, maybe what do you expect from that home game? Uh, home game against uh, Rita's Vilnius. Yeah, it's going to be a battle. Um, it's going to be a really competitive game. You know, both teams are hungry. Um, like I said, our group is tough. So you know, we got to go out there and play like like it's our last game. So. 
Um, you know, we're excited to play again. You know, we kind of, you know, had a, a week and a couple of days to just play, to practice and to, you know, to push each other better. I mean, to push each other and, and to, to challenge our teammates. So it's going to be, you know, a, a great, you know, great thing for us to kind of compete against somebody else. And I think to, you know, to show what we've worked on, you know, this past week, um, trying to improve things on both on offense and defensively, you know, creating, a, you know, having our identity and sharpening some things on, on both sides of the floor, offensively and defensively. So we're going to be ready and we're going to be um, motivated to play because, you know, it's been a while since we played. But um, it's going to be a battle and, um, you know, we're going to give it our all. All right, fantastic. That was Bonzi Colson Jr. from Six Strasburg. Bonzi, thanks again for, for taking some time. Good luck and uh, stay healthy. Thank you. Stay safe out there, sir. All right. Um, yeah, really, uh, a really uh, fun talk to, with him. And, and um, actually, I, I remember that uh, father playing for Rhode Island and then, then beating Syracuse in the second uh, in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I think that was in 88. And uh, I want to say Billy Owens maybe on that team. Yeah, regardless. Uh, but what a great shot and a good uh, first time that he's uh, that he's won a game on a buzzer beater in his career. So that was pretty cool. Um, let's go to the uh, next week's games. Uh, right now there's 12 games scheduled uh, with some of the games that haven't been played yet uh, put into the schedule for next week. Um, just maybe one or two of the games that you're looking forward to. Let's start with the Tuesday games. Oh, one or two. I mean, these are all crazy good games. Tofash against Nimbur. Strasbourg against Ritas. Ritas trying to dig out, dig themselves out of the hole. Peristeri uh, trying to build something good against Befriga. Holon, Holsten, Cholet. Cholet cannot fall to 2 and 0. 2 and 2. Bilbao against Bamberg. And then you have Burgos starting their season, the defending champions, away at Ostend. So Tuesday. I have no idea which game to pick, but I'm probably going to say uh, Ostend against Burgos just to see the defending champs looking good on the court again. Yeah, that's those are two, uh, the the Strasbourg Ritas game, uh, and I have in parentheses minus 18. Uh, they're going to be trying to make up that uh, first first week loss to um to Peristeri in that in that tight group and uh, the other one we finally see the defending champs so those are the two the two games uh Wednesday um I'm going to two of the games that I you know interested in is is uh Hapo Jerusalem uh against Limoges you almost have to feel you know uh, Jerusalem down 0-1 and uh, Limoges at 1 and 0 you almost you almost have a feeling that this might be a must win because you know it's a home game and if you lose to Limoges they're now 2 and 0 and you're own 2 um you know of course it's not a must win but it almost has a feeling like that and then uh, the other one is Saragossa um against Nizhny Nizhny's first game uh, Saragossa obviously one and zero in 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 the BCL, but uh, a two and six start uh, in the ACB, and that resulted in uh, D, uh, Diego Campa being fired and Sergio Hernandez, obviously the national team head coach for Argentina, who guided them to the silver medal at the uh, FIBA Basketball World Cup 2019. So to kind of see uh, really a stacked team. Um, and how they respond to obviously a coach with uh, quite a few more accolades than than Ocampo had. Uh, so those are the two games I'm I'm really looking at. Uh, Wednesday, I'm gonna say Goke against Turk Telecom because I, mm. I put Turk Telecom at number one power rankings, and I'm now looking forward to seeing them cope with the pressure of the power <laughs> <multiple laughs> rankings and and Goke. Basically, uh, they were top of the Adriatic League when they finished their game against Partizan. They were 4-1. Uh, so, they're a good team. They almost defeated Limoges. Unfortunately for them, almost doesn't count. So, this is a must-win game for them. And for all the same reasons that you named. If you go, okay, I want to make this a deep run. If they want to kick out one of the big names in that group, they need to defeat somebody. And they need to put it like a huge statement that playing against Turk Telecom in Laktashi is going to be a good chance for them. All right. Um, 
any final thoughts on this week, next week, whatever? Ah, just looking forward to seeing if we get all 12 games next week because it's going to remind me of the old schedule of the 16 games per week. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. It's at BasketballCL. Like us on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, go grab the mobile app. The email address is info at championsleague.basketball. The website is championsleague.basketball. Subscribe uh, to the podcast uh, on YouTube or anywhere on, on iTunes uh, or anywhere else uh, uh, where you are catching your podcasts. And of course, all the games are live on livebasketball.tv. So for Igor Djurkovic over there in Croatia, I'm David Hine in Germany. Uh, thanks for taking your time out and listening to our little show here. And enjoy that this next action, this next week of actions, and we'll talk to you next week. 